What's good, everyone? Matt here from UK Nets Fans, and I'm joined by Aidan McConaughey and Cammy Anderson for another episode of BK to UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. Today is Wednesday, the 1st of February, and today we're chatting about James Harden staying put uh, with this Nets team, KD claiming the all-star captaincy, recapping games against the Lakers, Nuggets and Warriors, and much, much more besides. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UK Nets Fans, the pod itself on Twitter at BK2UKPod, and check us out on YouTube where you can watch back all of our episodes. With that out of the way, let's get into it. Now, we've spent the last couple of episodes chatting about James Harden and his potential trade to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, we spoke at length um, last week about, you know, it, it coming out that, you know, the taxes are too high in New York. It's cold to, it's too cold in New York and he's frustrated with, with this, that and the other. Um, but a tweet from Woj this Thursday said, ESPN sources, the Brooklyn Nets won't listen to trade deadline overtures for James Harden, a resolve largely rooted in the all NBA guards repeated insistences to ownership and management that he's committed to the franchise. Um, welcome news, I think, for all Nets fans. Um, Gents, do you think this is going to put it to bed once and for all? Uh, probably not, but for now at least it's nice to have a bit of good news considering that there probably has been some people out there that have been slightly concerned by this stuff they've read about James Harden recently. Obviously, he's only been in it for, for just over a year now, so it's disappointing when you do read stories that he may be considering leaving, but we've always said in this pod, as soon as Wodge comes out and says something like this, that's what you have to take is the truth um, because he is the the number one guy when it comes to sources in the NBA. And if you kind of dig deep into what he said, obviously he's saying that the, the Nets won't listen to any trade deadline kind of discussions for James Harden. It's probably a given when you think about it. It doesn't really make sense for the Nets to, to trade James Harden right now when obviously they've already kind of set their plans for winning this year uh, around this big three of Harden, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Um, but at the same time as well, it doesn't make sense for Philly to make a move now as well. Their Ben Simmons situation isn't resolved yet. They may have to do something with that to make some sort of sort of move for James Harden if they were to do that in the, the summer. But personally, I think you can take this as good news because I think uh, Harden does want to be here. Obviously, he said to the Nets that he does want to be here, but it all depends on if we win. And I think that's quite fair from James Harden. I think you can't just expect him to re-sign here. He, he's wanted to win that ring. That's why he came here in the first place. It wasn't the allure of, of, of being in New York. It was about winning a ring. That's always been the situation for James Harden. So if they don't win here, then yeah, I, I don't think I can blame him for wanting to explore his options. But for now, obviously, we've, we're in a situation where we should be getting... Our full guy, our, our full team back after the All Star break, and it's all going to be out going on and, and winning. And you have to think if that's the case, then James Harden's not going to want to go anywhere because they'll be definitely wanting to to repeat it again next year. So yeah, good news obviously to see that the Nets and Harden seem to be pretty comfortable in their situation. But yeah, I think it's probably far from over. This is certainly very welcome news. Obviously, the rumours of the past weeks were that it was open to relocation and just kind of tons of rumours were, were floating around. But the fact he's told Nets kind of staff, the, the officials at, at the team, that I want to stay, that, that's music to my ears. That, that is really reassuring, even if, like Aidan says, it's kind of hinging on us winning. Um, I'm curious to see how, how far and how much kind of wiggle room there is in that because considering... Harden's first season with us, granted he joined midway through, things kind of collapsed due to injuries. This year, we've had next to no luck at all. Kyrie's been part-time, KD's injured, Harden's had his troubles. And also, we're on a bit of a rut of form and we're kind of slipping down the standings. And whilst I don't think we're going to slide out the playoffs and miss them entirely, I don't know if Harden's kind of said that as a threat, as in we've got to do it this year or it's not happening, maybe to maybe force the Nets into making some deadline moves on the incoming front but yeah I'd like to hope that he at least gives it until say the end of next year um, where hopefully we get that full full clean team um, that there's not really been a full strength next team on the court for god knows how long um, 
at least for an extended period of time. Um, so let's just hope that 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 changes. We can keep hard and happy. And I mean, the Sixers they're going to continue planting stuff. We know that. And I think throughout the week, I've seen I've seen a few suggestions that it might actually lead to an investigation. Um, like I think it was Aiden had suggested maybe tampering on their part. They might cool cool a little bit, um, and then after the deadlines happen, maybe can I just plant a wee few seeds here and there? But yeah, all going well. Harden's on net next season, and we win the championship this year and next. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, it's a funny one about the tampering. I really want to get more of a sort of dig a bit deeper into it because you know, I'm, I don't know the exact rules about like leaking stuff to the media, and if it's not a player doing it, it's a some like sort of just sort of uh, anonymous sources it it might get a bit muddy but you know Draymond Green can go on TV and say that what was it Devon Booker needs some help or well, it was someone and he got absolutely battered for it and then you know we can have a, a an orchestrated and finely conducted sort of media attack saying that you know purposely trying to dislodge uh, James Harden from this Nets team. And, you know, it's seemingly fine. Um, obviously, great news that it's come through that he is committed to this team. I believe he's committed to this team, as we've gone on before saying, if he wants to win, then, you know, what better place than with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Um, as you have both said, this isn't the team he signed up for, um, which might have led to some sort of pains on his end. You know, he's he's spent a lot the most of his, you know, all of practically all of his uh bulk of his career as a one-man band in Houston. And, you know, maybe he came to Brooklyn to share the limelight and, you know, share the load and all this kind of stuff. All of a sudden, Kyrie can't play half the games, KD goes down, Joe Harris isn't here, and all of a sudden he's got to make do with, you know, Patty Mills and Marcus Aldridge, who are great pieces, but aren't KD and aren't Kyrie Irving. So maybe that's annoyed him a little bit, but still, where else are you going to go? Like to, to be at this level for the next few years, for the rest of their prime? Um, I just don't see it. So hopefully it'll be put to bed. I think you're right. It ain't the end of it. Uh, that was probably just a bit of wishful thinking. Um, but yeah, nice nice to see him at least come in. You know, the, the Nets have said he's committed via through Woj so that's kind of the best we can hope for but I guess we won't know until the end of um a little further on into this month with the end of the the trade deadline um thanks to everyone coming through on the chat so far um the Boston Brick coming through saying let's go Celtics Nathan I love you to pieces but keep that trash out of my comments box we need some Nets fans in here to uh, to to balance that out I think uh so come hit us up on Twitch or YouTube when we record live and you can um you can have your say. Um, on to more um, lighthearted stuff. Um, Kevin Durant was named Eastern Conference captain um, for the All-Star game. I want to say for the second year in a row. I wasn't sure if he was um, captain last year, but I'm pretty sure he was. I know he was yeah. definitely injured last year, which, you know, it looks like he's going to be <laughs> again for this season. Um, obviously, the All-Star game is on the 20th of February. Uh, KD was injured. He uh, sprained his MCL on the 16th of Jan. Um, so it would mean a 35-day break or five weeks um, from the injury. And the Nets initially said he'd be out four to six weeks. So it's mathematically possible that he's uh, he's going to come back for the All-Star game. But I would be shocked if he um, if he returns and puts on that frankly hideous all-star uniform that has been released um before he signs up before he uh, suits up with the nets um what do you guys make of it i got really really excited the second i seen that he was named captain completely forgetting how the the captains are decided in the all-star um for those unaware it is the best vote getters in the fan vote section in each conference kd also won it for the east and lebron for the west and initially, I was all excited, thinking, yep, that's confirmation. He's going to play. He's back. KD's back. Obviously, still a few weeks away from All-Star break, but it kind of had me thinking, yep, that's a confirmed. He's going to be playing. We're going to be fine. He might be back a week earlier or whatever. And then remembered um, what, why the, the captains are picked. So it, it kind of brought me down a, a, a knock or two. But yeah, obviously, I, 
a good honour for KD to kind of get, if you like, clearly valued across the league, whilst maybe a bit of a divisive figure um, due to his kind of hopping between teams to try and win and what have you. He, oh, sorry, hopping from the Thunder to the Warriors to win, then the Warriors to, to the Nets to win. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a good accolade for him. It's, it's lovely to see a Nets player kind of get that, um, obviously two years in a row, like you say. And yeah, let's just hope he, he can play as much as all-star break, as we've said uh, in the time I've done the podcast. is really just a bit of fun. There's not really, really anything to it. I wouldn't cry if he didn't play, but... I mean, if he could come back and it's maybe just a light way to ease himself back into it, um, rather than kind of jumping right back in, because who knows what the Nets are going to, what kind of state the Nets are going to be in come three weeks' time, given the kind of current mess we seem to be in. But yeah, great news for KD, and obviously won't be the only Net there. James Harden's also involved. So yeah, great stuff. Hopefully KD's back sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, just delighted that he's got this. Yeah, I was saying... He's the best player in the league, so there's he obviously has to be the captain for whatever conference he's in at the moment. So, yeah, it's extremely well-deserved. I, I do like the way that the NBA do that because there's probably a, a 99% chance that he isn't going to play in this game, but they still honour these guys. And I think they were talking about it during the... It was either the Lakers game or the, the Denver game or whatever it was, um, about the kind of the way it works. And I, there is obviously a lot of incentives and in, in players contracts and stuff like that if they make the all-star team so it is important regardless of injury that they do kind of respect the players that have, have played the best this season and he, he has been an outstanding form all year obviously until his injury which was just absolutely gutting because he was probably favorite for the MVP at the time again and obviously for Nets fans we're starved of uh, injury-free KD season, which kind of felt like it was going to be that way. Obviously, we had the COVID blip, but um, funnily enough, that's two years in a row now where KD has went in the protocols and came back, and after a week or two, he's gone down again. So, obviously, kind of keeping players out for that time in an NBA season can have an effect, and, and they can get injured, but it just wasn't meant to be at this time, and, and I think for what kind of injury it is for Kevin Durant, we can be quite happy that he will be back quite soon. And I don't know about other Nets fans, but I'm more than happy for him to sit out the All-Star weekend and be on the court against the Celtics on the 24th, fit and healthy. And I'd probably say the same for James Harden as well. Obviously, that hand injury doesn't seem as bad as it first seemed when we saw him coming out at the Denver game wearing a big kind of glove sort of thing. But I'd be quite happy for him to sit it out as well and hopefully there's another further update with the whole um, mandate in New York at that time and, and the Nets can just take that time period to get ready and attack this second half of the season after the break. So absolutely fantastic for KD, more than well deserved. I think he really enjoyed it last year, um, the kind of head-to-head with LeBron picking the teams and let's just hope he picks a better team this year because they got absolutely smashed last year in the uh, and it's very lopsided. So, uh, no, looking forward to seeing all that kind of thing. But in terms of the game, not that interested at all. Yeah, to be fair, I, I rarely watch the All-Star game. Um, it's, yeah, it's just, an, obviously, it's designed to be an exhibition. But, you know, it'd be nice to, it was nice to, I'm not sure if they're doing the same sort of gimmicks that they did last year with the, um, you know, you, you got the winners of the quarters and stuff. But, you know, like you guys said, either way, I would be absolutely shocked um, if KD suited up. I don't think he will. Um, but you, you, Cami, you touched on that how the voting works. It was fan votes, player votes, and media votes. And, and KD claimed first place for all three ranking categories, um, despite being injured. Um, obviously, I think the voting opened around Christmas, so he's been, you know, he's been out a wee while, and he's still. Um, you know, finishing top of the ranks for everything. Um, Harden, meanwhile, scored third in player votes, fourth in fan rank, and fourth in media rank for the Eastern Conference guards. So that puts him fourth if you kind of top up his whole score uh, in terms of Eastern Conference guards behind DeMar DeRozan and Trey Young, who started. And uh, Zach Levine was the only other non-starter who scored more than James Harden. So you got to you got to assume he's going to be involved um, in some way, shape or form. Um, so yeah, nice to have some recognition. Um, again, I don't care what happens as long as they come back healthy <laughs> would be nice. Um, but yeah, I would love, I would love us to kind of put a line 
after all-star break and KD's back, you know, maybe even Joe Harris is back, even though he's had a setback. Um, Harden's got his hand rested up. The mandates change uh, for some reason all of, all, all of a sudden uh, and we can finally get this the team we've been promised for the last year or so. Um, but we shall see. Um, so that's the next news from this week. We have I have actually just seen, as we've been recording, um, that the Nets CEO, John Abamondi, has resigned for mysterious uh, circumstances. Um, obviously, CEO of BSE Global. I guess we'll discuss that another time if it's you know if anything important comes of it. Um, but in the meantime, we have games to recap. Um, since we came at you last, uh, the Nets took on the Lakers on a rematch of their uh, Christmas Day game. And unfortunately, the Nets fell short, uh, losing 96 uh, to 106. Um, gentlemen, I'll, I'll leave this one to you. How was uh, how was this game for you guys? Yeah, it was an interesting one. We obviously went into this one not expecting very much with um, being at home. Obviously, we didn't have Kyrie Irving, uh, missing KD and Joe Harris, obviously, but the day before Anthony Davis decided that this was the game that he was going to come back. And I, I don't think there was much of a coincidence there after we embarrassed the Lakers on Christmas day in their brand spanking new arena. But um, yeah, it was, there was a few positives. I actually enjoyed the game um, for a bit and before it kind of fell off. Um, obviously on Christmas day, James Harden went off and, and yet again, he played really well. I thought it was incredible on this one. And he, he really kept the Nets in this game um, in the first half. He had a 33-point triple-double, um, which isn't easy. Um, and it was obviously on the day that all the stuff came out about Harden and the Sixers. So how do you go out and answer kind of gossip about you? You go out and put in a performance like that. So it was, it was really impressive that you could go out and, and lead the team like he did. And it wasn't just as obviously, it wasn't the best three-point shooting night. I mean, he did hit a couple of really big threes, but he just seemed to be making the most of his space more than he has done recently, especially with the lack of spacing that the Nets have on home nights. Um, and he was driving really well and he pulled off some just really incredible shots. So that was nice to see. Um, aside from Harden, it was a really good performance from James Johnson, um, who's been impressing me recently. I'm not sure about you guys, but... I just wasn't that high on him for a long time, but he just seems to be finding his place in this team. And I've actually probably got him higher in the in a healthy Nets rotation than some of the usual suspects that, that you would expect to be in there. So um, I think Steve Nash likes him as well. So I can see him playing quite a big part going into the um, postseason. So, yeah, I just think he's an active player and he's been making threes. He's, he's one of those guys that takes like one or two threes a game but it just seems to always make them. So you can't really complain too much about that. And uh, he seems to be a net positive most nights. So yeah, there, there wasn't too many kind of individual performances to sing about. Um, as I said, Harden kind of led the way the entire time, but we kept AD to eight points on his return when probably many assumed that he was going to go off and um, we dealt with him really well. And yeah, that's about it for positives. We didn't expect too much for for this one just purely for what we were going into and many people had it chalked down as a, a scheduled L but what can you do there was a couple of decent performances but we were kind of never in it after the second half yeah I mean there were certainly more negatives than there were positives in this one the main takeaway for from this one for me was that the home form continues to be poor this result made us 12 and 12 uh, on the season at home and then also later on in the week as we'll get on to we fell again at home, which made us 12 and 13 at home. So the fact that we are unable to make the, the Barclays a, a kind of fortress is, is quite concerning. Um, obviously, you might have home kind of field or home court advantage, should I say, in basketball terms. It's not something we've made advantage of. Granted, we're without Kyrie at home. But yeah, it's just not been kind of a happy hunting ground for us. Um Turnovers were also a huge issue for us in this one. 19 turnovers on the night and the the Lakers got 19 points off them. So literally every time we gave the ball up, it was a point to the Lakers. And yeah, you can take half those turnovers and yeah, we win the game. It's it's very, very frustrating. Um, what else was wrong? Um, yeah, absolutely murdered in the paint. Um, 
maybe murdered, putting it lightly, we were massacred. There's so many words that could be used to describe this. 46 of the Lakers' points were in the paint on a night we could just not defend the paint. There was just nothing. We could have shoved brick walls in there and we would have still got battered. It was just, yeah, certainly a night to forget. And it was also a night to forget on on a three-point shooting as well. Um, the first half was incredibly poor, 14.9% from three, and on the game as a whole, just 25%. And, I mean, that's pretty bad. It's maybe not as bad trying to be a little bit positive whilst they just hammer the team with negatives. We did have a 19% three-point night against the Magic in December. So, in comparison, this is a big, big improvement, but yeah. Really, really not good enough. Um, you can kind of tell that confidence is lacking in this team. Um, shots that guys would usually take, high on confidence that would land, haven't landed because there's just, yeah, we're in a rut. The, the team aren't performing well. And yeah, like I think I've said for the past few weeks now, I just hope this kind of rut ends soon. We've got to get out of it or we, we're just sliding down the, the standings even further. Yes, it's a, it was a bit of an... A bit of a lackluster one, wasn't it? This one, annoyingly. Um, but that took us to the following night um, with um, a game. You know, once once you've had a lackluster a lackluster loss um, in LA, somewhat a team that you don't want to face is the Nuggets, which is exactly who the Nets had to face the following night. Um, but we did, you know, again, it was one of those. Although it was a loss, it was not as bad as we thought it might be. Um, and you know, a, a depleted um Nets team as it was, um, second night of a back to back, but we kept it close. Um, which you know, I'm, I'm taking as positive, I'm taking as somewhat of a win. Um, a close first quarter, um, we managed to get a few stops early, which kind of turned into points on the other end, which kind of we managed to get a few decent runs. Um, and we were actually up at the half, um, which is quite nice. So another good start um, from this Nets team. Uh, big shout out to Cam Thomas for getting his career high uh, in points this game. He, he finished with 25 points, going 8 of 14 from the field, 4 of 6 from free, including a really pretty sweet um, behind the sort of through the legs cross dribble move with a step back free. Very, very uh, James Harden reminiscent. Um, which was very sweet to see. Um, he's obviously been listening to BKT UK because we'd said uh, over the past couple of episodes that he's got a bit quiet and he's got a bit cold. So we're obviously the the uh, the shot of adrenaline that Cam Thomas needs. Uh, so you're very welcome there, Cam. Um, another good, another sort of thing I'm taking a good performance I'm getting um, was from the vets. Um, you know, putting in a shift again, doing way more than they signed up to do this year. Um, came came to the came to this Nets team to be sort of complementary players to the big three, but they're shouldering a lot of responsibility. Uh, I am, of course, talking about Lamarcus Aldridge, who finished with 18 points, eight rebounds, and one block, and Patty Mills, uh, 21 points, six assists, three rebounds, going six of 12 from the floor, four of eight from three. The man continues to to pick up that early season form he had, uh, and there was a really really tasty sequence that um, Mills uh, and Blake Griffin had where there was kind of like a dribble dribble handoff that sort of led Blake to roll to the rim uh, for a, for a slam to turn back the to turn back the clock, which is quite nice. Um, it was a bit of a, a a kind of committee performance. Obviously, I don't I think that James Harden didn't even play this game. Um, so kind of it was a everyone else kind of stood started stood up and you know we've long said on this podcast where where we'll give people a bit of a kick in, we'll give them a kick in. But when we'll give, when people are due praise, we'll give them due, their due praise. And Jevon Carter getting a bit of uh, getting a bit of a run in this game, going off for thirteen points, three assists, a steal, uh, four of eight from the field, four of seven from free, uh, and even DeAndre Bembry stuck up for um, for Carter, saying that's what JC does. He shoots threes. He's not getting the minutes he wants, but he's confident. We need him to come in and hit those threes for us. That's his game. He's always been a good three-point shooter if you watched his game. So maybe, you know, putting a little bit out there to, to those darker, more twisted corners of Nets Twitter um, that's, 
really basically think you should change swap Jevon Carter for a fax machine or whatever we might uh the other kind of uh deals that have been uh parlanced on on Twitter. Uh another positive was nice to see that Demarcus Cousins got ejected, you know, death taxes and Demarcus Cousins fouling out because he's an angry young man. Um and yeah, just it was a real nice first half, but I don't know if it was because it was kind of the back to back or the pace we were playing at. Um, or the zippy ball movement just got a bit too much. But, um, you know, we started getting sloppy with the fouls, um, a few turnovers and missing some open shots, which ultimately uh, came home to roost in, in, a, in a kind of tough second half against this Nuggets team. Yeah, it was it was another just a brutal night. Um, and yeah, you mentioned it there about Harden. They only announced his hand injury just shortly before the the game and obviously everyone was concerned about his hamstring tightness obviously we we had so many issues with that last year and then it kind of came out the blue that he had a a scan that revealed that he'd strained his hand or whatever which is just uh at the time it felt like the world was just caving in on us because it's like what else can they throw at us um so we there was kind of a bit of a negative vibe um on the game before it had even tipped off and i don't think it was probably as bad a game as we might have thought, considering it's the first game we've had uh, without any of the big three since the COVID outbreak. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't terrible, but there were still just signs that the Nets depth just can't handle when those guys aren't there. And we struggle with one of them, um, never mind without kind of all of them. So, yeah, obviously Harden's injury doesn't seem as bad as first feared, but we did miss him in this one just because. The Nets were just extremely sloppy. There were there were so many turnovers, just poor defending on a night where the Nuggets just weren't that good. And which is frustrating because when you play teams from the West, like the Nuggets and the Lakers and whatnot, you only get the chance to play them twice a season. Um and yeah, we just they were there for the taking and obviously we weren't gonna set out to beat them. But yeah, they just weren't that great I mean Jokic was just he was relatively quiet in the first half and then the Nets obviously got tired as you mentioned with it being on a back-to-back and then him Will Barton and Austin Rivers of all people went off in the Nets and that was it really it was it was one of these games where you watch it I actually stayed up to watch this one and I, I just hope to see guys on the role players like it's, it seemed to be one of those games where it's like these are the this, these are the games where it decides who's still going to be in the rotation after the All-Star break when everyone comes back. You want to see all these guys step up and pull out a performance where, on a night where they probably could have won, which does say a lot, but you want to see guys just putting a, that extra bit of effort just to show that they want to be in that rotation because I certainly think there's guys that could drop out of it. Personally, I think DeAndre Bembry hasn't played well recently. I, I think he's dropped down quite a lot since... The form that we saw him at the start, I, he's certainly not putting in the performances that we once seen. And guys like that, I see like their positions could be up for grabs because they're probably going to try and cut the rotation down to eight or nine guys. And when you bring back in Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, um, James Harden's obviously coming back, and now Lamarcus Aldridge is going to be coming back as well. It's just even harder for these guys to to warrant minutes, and you have to show it in games like this, but. There wasn't. There was a few kind of good performances. Obviously, there was guys that that did put in kind of good scoring numbers and things like that. But in terms of effort, it really isn't just what we've seen in in previous years from the role guys in the next team. So it was disappointing in that aspect. But another kind of scheduled loss for what it is because when you're without your your main three, we really can't kind of complain too much about dropping these games. Yeah, it's, they don't get any, like, although it's a, a scheduled loss, it doesn't get any easier, does it? <laughs> but no. um, talking of talking of scheduled losses, um, we rounded out the week uh, on Saturday with a, a frustr- another frustratingly close, we didn't really have any license to be as close as it was really game against uh, the Golden State Warriors, which uh, the Nets would lose... 106 to 110 um and you know nets twitter is was alive 
uh, after this game with all kinds of craziness. But um, Cami, let before we dive into that, what's uh, what were some positives you saw uh, from this Warriors game? I mean, one of the obvious positives is the scoreline. This time, only four points off um, uh, the the kind of victors, and then the previous night it was uh, so a few nights before it was eight, and a few nights before that it was ten. So we're getting better. Uh, if you want to try and be really positive, um, like, like we've kind of tallied or kind of marked all these games, scheduled losses, all things considered, we done pretty well this week, even though we lost. That that sounds mental that I've even just said that, but we made a really, really significant comeback during the second 19 points and... Yeah, unfortunately, and then we just fell short in our bid to end what at the time was a three-game losing streak, of course, stretched to four after this loss. But yeah, I, I think considering we had Kyrie available um, and Lamarcus George went down injured pretty early on in this game, it, it was quite the effort from the team that was available to us. Um, obviously, shout out to Kyrie for what, what he kind of done on the court, massively kept us in this one, dropped 32 points, and then actually got a triple-double not state rebounds and seven assists and just a general shout to Kyrie this season just to double check my numbers before I say them wrong. He's outperforming his career points per game as well as his rebounds per game this season and only just performing below his career uh, assists per game. So Kyrie is playing some of his best basketball we've seen and he's performing better than he has over, well, on average throughout his career. So it's just like I think we'll always say until things change. It's a real shame we don't get get to see this man play basketball every game that we play. Um, obviously, a frustrating way to to end the week, but I think that yeah, you can take the positives. Kyrie's still doing well, and a few other guys maybe done something in the absence of of the others. But yeah, next week's a new week. I think it's just a general positive that the week's over, um, and we can just kind of look forward from there on out. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a good one. There's a there's a quote, isn't it? That, it's, that some, a good quote to always remind yourself is "This too will end." You can say that against when it's going rough. You're saying this will end one day. You know the Nets will get bounced back and all that kind of stuff. But but yeah, this this one was you know fourth loss in a row, um, first back to back road losses of the season. Obviously, the something that this Nets team could hang their hat on was we are. Stellar road record, uh, but we've you know losing two on the bounce, um, and saw the Nets slip to sixth in the standings after you know flirting with first, second all year. Uh, we've gone down to sixth. I know we're still only two games back or something. Obviously, we're recording this just before the Suns game, um, but as it stands now, we're still just two games back uh, from number one seed. So it's all to play for in the East, but you know we are sixth, and that is really quite strange um but this game pretty much came down to the fourth quarter um as you guys were saying this is it was close throughout um but the um the main talking points of this uh game were really around fouls and uh steve nash choosing not to uh challenge those uh fouls um which you know, I think you know a lot of people went bananas about, but I've I'm, I'm a bit more measured on it. So the first one was a a foul on uh, Kessler Edwards against Steph Curry, who Curry had been struggling all night. Was not a, a stellar performance from Steph Curry um, at all, but he did the thing that at the beginning of this season they would said that you weren't allowed to do anymore and absolutely battered James Harden for it, where it, you know, it took a month into the season before he got any foul calls whatsoever. And that was, you know, pump faking to get your defender up in the air and then just jumping into him. Um, so he got that, um, which was annoying. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people were saying that Steve Nash should have challenged it. Um, so basically, um, when asked why he didn't challenge it, um, Steve Nash said that he'd get in trouble if he um, told us the real reasons why he didn't challenge it. But essentially, he said that a little birdie told him not to challenge it. And he basically was inferring that a referee 
said 100% a foul. So Steve Nash thought, okay, when a referee tells you that, there's no point challenging it if the you know if you're definitely not going to win that challenge if it's not going to get overturned because you're going to lose a timeout and you know it's a close game we're going down the stretch but in my head it's like you challenge it anyway because even though that one ref says nah 100% refs are fallible like it's not they're not you know completely right all the time as we well know so you know had that ref seen another angle of it or seen a replay you know for whatever could have changed his mind because it was egregious and and silly. But, you know, it's talking pessimistically. It's Steph Curry at the end of a game where it's close on his home court. And, you know, you know, I won't say any more, but it's one of those things that, that fans talk about all the time. So that was the first one. Uh, the first crazy um, call that people got on everyone's back for. But, you know, with, with less than a minute to play in this game... Um, it's, you know, a three point game, 104, 101, uh, some clutch free throws from Patty Mills. Um, the Nets are down by one point, 20 seconds to go. Clay hits a big three. Kyrie hits a big three. So with 10 seconds to go, it's still a one point game. After that, the Nets get called for a foul on Kyrie Irving, um, on sort of against Clay Thompson that, the Nets fans as well said that Nash should have challenged. It's five seconds to go or something like that. But this one, I'm like, okay, guys, everyone's just still a little bit hepped up on the last coach's challenge that didn't come through because I think that's a foul. I think, you know, Kyrie blocked him. Um, you know, even Kyrie sort of said after the game again about this foul, he said, that's got to be a foul any day of the week, any game. So sorry. Um, so annoying. Um, it's just one of those that, you know, it, it managed, the game managed to get away from from this next team. Um, it's really annoying when when sort of annoying fouls do kind of ruin this the the kind of clutch moments of the game. Um, but you know, in summation, you know the two fouls that everyone went went mental for and wanted Nash's head. One he got told they wouldn't overturn it, and the other was a foul. So I can see where he's coming from. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just with 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 this run of form, four L's on the bounce. I think Nets fans just are looking for for someone to blame. Um, other big other big nuggets from this game is is Lamarcus Aldridge spraining his left ankle and leaving the arena on crutches. Um, we've got no further update on that. But um, but yeah, lads, I, I want to get your take on the on the challenges and the no calls and stuff because I'm not actually properly caught up with you guys about it. If anyone wants to to give their thoughts on that, I went bananas. <laughs> I mean, as you said you didn't. People were going bananas. I was certainly one of those people. I think Nash has got to use that challenge, and it's. I think it's terrible that he's he he didn't at least use it in one of those plays, and and the fact he said that a little birdie told him not to do it. You're the head coach. It doesn't matter. You challenge that every single day, and even the Kyrie play at the end, there was there was different angles that made me think some referees might overturn that just for the way that Clay Thompson went into him and he kind of initiate the contact. He went, down, he went down easy, didn't he? Yeah, well. and when you initiate the contact like that, come across someone, of course your legs are going to go in front of each other. So he's going to fall. Um, and I think Kyrie's probably seen the replay of that and thought, yeah, maybe it was there was contact. But again, I just think Kyrie's that type of guy where the game's over, he can move on, unlike myself. And you can just go accept it and go, well, I'm not going to kind of call out my coach and say, oh, that wasn't a foul, he should have challenged. He's not that type of guy at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think Nash needs to be more confident. And my reason at the end is that I, I did say, kind of, well, yeah, if the challenge gets rejected, then obviously they'll lose that time out. But Clay Thompson was about to shoot three throws. He's not missed one since he returned. I think he's something like 50 or 50 or something like that. It's going to be a four-point game. You might as well take the risk for the chance to get that possession and and try and hit the three. So, I think it's it's kind of stemmed on from last year where um, it kind of was Mike D'Antoni that was kind of calling the shots with the telling Steve Nash you should challenge that, you should challenge that, and he doesn't have that birdie in his ear. Who knows who it was? If it was one of the refs or whatever, I think it probably was because um, he obviously said he didn't want to get into trouble and he probably would have got a fine if that happened but yeah I just think you, you're spot on Matt in terms of you can't 
put a, a loss down to two possessions. But that's what the challenge is there for. And yeah, it's just really frustrating because when it gets to the end of the game and you lose it like that, when we came so close, um, you just want to see Nash sticking up for you, for his guys. And um, he'd done it so much as a player. He was the hard-nosed guy that'd be in everyone's face if there was any other trouble. You want to see him sticking up for the guys because that's I think that is one part of Nash's game which we haven't seen too much yet. Um, him sticking up for his his players. Um, so yeah, it was it was disappointing for me, and I think he probably secretly regrets not using that challenge. I think it maybe highlights still the fact that well, it certainly highlights Nash is far from an experienced coach. Obviously, only in his second year as a coach, and yeah, considering how close the game was, you take that chance if if you can do anything to to make it better for the Nets. Uh, in my opinion, you've got to. Um, at, at the end of the game, he, he could have said something much better than what he did say. Um, yeah, just trying to say, oh, like like we're all kind of presuming it was the referee, or assuming should I say? But yeah, it's just poor. Just take 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 the chance. You lose a timeout, so what? It could have changed the game. It could have won the game. It's just uh, yeah, it's very poor. Um, Hopefully he's learnt from that. Um, it's obviously much easier for us sitting here behind television screens and laptop screens to shout at him and say, "Ah, oh, it's this, it's that." But yeah, like I, it, it's it's very disappointing. And hopefully, like I say, he does learn from it, and it's not something that we need to, to kind of go over again. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I think <laughs> there's been so much just like oh, I'm just gonna let let it go now because there's you can it can properly bore you a piss, can't it? Some of the the decisions that people make, but but we look ahead. Um, we look ahead to next week, and hopefully there's a, a W in here somewhere. But as as I say, we're we're literally a few hours away from um, tipping off against the Suns. Um, it's a three a.m. tip here in the UK um, on Wednesday morning. We'll follow that up or the, the following day, so twenty four hours later, Thursday morning, uh, UK time, three a.m. against the Kings. Before waiting to head on Saturday to. Um, the Jazz, uh, that's a 2 a.m. tip on Saturday the 5th, and then another back-to-back um, on Sunday uh, against the Nuggets with the UK-friendly time of an 8.30 p.m. tip. Um, lads, um, I I think I went all all W's um, last year uh, last week on the on the BK2K pick'em, um, but how how do you see this uh, <laughs> this upcoming week coming? Are you confident? No. <laughs> um, I, given the kind of form that we've been in um, and the fact this is another far from kind week for the Nets, it's hard to see us picking up any more than a solitary win. Now, that win I think is going to come against the Kings purely based on the fact they're the worst one of the worst teams in the league and certainly the worst team of the teams we'll face this week. Um, surely even a depleted Nets team um, should manage to beat them, or at least I hope so. Um, really intrigued to see how Kyrie's going to do over this kind of stretch of road games. It's, it's a real chance for him to really take over. Um, it's yeah, it's quite hard to be positive. We always like to be positive on the podcast, but when the, the team's in the slump that we are... Um, it's it's quite hard to find some some confidence and hope, but yeah, let's hope that Kyrie can lead us to more than the the one victory that I predict. Yeah, it's just another difficult week. It's, it's that old saying: when it rains, it pours. You come off kind of four losses, and you go into a four game road trip in the West <laughs> against three of the best teams of the league. It's sometimes timing just doesn't benefit the Nets at all. But I guess at the same time, it's a time to go out and make a statement and. And show what we can do. And I personally, I, I do feel more confident this week than I did last week. Obviously, news have came out that, that Harden's probable to play tonight, which is certainly not what I was expecting. I didn't expect to see him for a week or so. So that's great news. And even though you probably assume that you'll rest in at least one of these games, um, Kyrie's in mid-season form already. So you've always got a chance when a guy like that's in that form. So. Bersa, I think we're going to go two and two. I think we win tonight, and I, I think we against the Suns, and I think we beat the Kings again tomorrow. Um, and I think we'll end up dropping the 
the last two games. Um, yeah, just want to see some improved performance, as I mentioned it earlier. I think we'll we'll begin to see a bit of a partnership with Kyrie and Harden coming back again because they were excellent last year together and they've not played too many games together so far, but they have looked good when they've done it. So I'd just like to see them have a stretch of games where they just ball out the two of them in the backcourt and yeah, just want to see a big improvement from some of the role players, especially with Lamarcus Aldridge apparently being out until around about the All-Star break. So, um, yeah, I'd just like to see guys like John J. Brembry, James Johnson, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin step up and uh, and fill in that, that void that will be left by Lamarcus Aldridge because that, that is a big void, especially with scoring off the bench. So, yeah, I'll go two and two. Um, and say that will be two wins and then two L's. Nice. Uh, big up Joel uh, in the chat said it could be a tense one this week. Fingers crossed for Harden. Could not agree more, mate. Yeah, I'm going to go um, with um, just the solitary win um, this week, even though it's going to come the day after um, this Suns game. I still think we're going to have enough to beat the Kings. Um, but yeah, I think the that Jazz Nuggets doubleheader at the weekend is just going to be a, a bit too rich uh, for this Nets team. But yeah, I would love nothing more than to see um, a bit of a run of form coming on, um, especially with Kyrie coming, as you say, balling out. Harden, you know, feeling it a bit more. Um, and, you know, this this weird kind of mix of Vets and Rooks coming together to uh to be more than the sum of their parts um would be absolutely lovely um but we shall see that leads us on to listener questions we got two um to get through today uh, a fun one here from ollie uh from our discord he said if you could add one past nets player to this roster who would it be and why i've kind of broken this down into two um i've said if fully healthy um, and we've got everyone, we've got the big three, we've got Joe Harris, give me Jarrett Allen uh, to run the pick and roll with James Harden and to give us a little bit of a, of, of rim protection. Because I think, you know, when we've got the big three, we don't have many um, sort of weaknesses, but we could always do with a bit of rim protection. So I've said Jarrett Allen, but I've also said if it's now and everyone's out <laughs> um, and we just need something, I said, give me it's hard to look past Jason Kidd, uh, someone who can run the floor, uh, get other people involved as well, and create some offense too. Um, so JA and J Kidd, um, what have you guys said? Um, so for Matt, well, I've kind of approached it similar to you, Matt, in that I had a kind of a realistic and unrealistic and just a kind of Pulling on my heartstrings. The pulling on my heartstrings one was D'Lo, largely due to my fandom for him. <laughs> that, that, that was the most obvious answer. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there was some reasoning behind that as well, because um, I know you would probably say, oh, I knew you were going to say that. But with Harden's kind of injury, Kai's part-time status, D'Lo could come in and control things. And um, he'd certainly bring an entertainment factor that seems to be lacking about this next team at the moment. Um I'd love to see Jarrett Allen as well. That's maybe my more sensible pick. Um, similar reasons to you, Matt. And then my kind of throwback pick, if you like, would be Drazen Petrovic. Um, the three-point shooting has been honking for far too long. And who better to bring in the Petrovic, who was an absolute assassin from deep. So, yeah, they'd be my kind of picks. But if I was to just pick one, it would have to be Dilo. Just, yeah, don't need to explain why. No, so I know you're. I know you're a, you're a D'Lo fan, but that is a solid pick. Solid pick. Yeah, I've I've totally on the Drazen train with you, Cami. But yeah, and for me, as as of now, we're just missing that three and D wing. And as you say, our three point shooting's been shocking, and we just miss that one player. So yeah, give me someone like Keith Van Horn, um, who I think has just all the attributes that the Nets could currently do right now. Spacing's obviously a nightmare, but just a good wing scorer and a guy that can defend like Keith would be epic. But yeah, take Drazen as well. Um, but yeah, I put a note on my notes just to say I'm just desperate for anyone who can shoot. I'd even take Alan Crabb back at this rate. So there we go. 
That's, that is that is a reach. Didn't think I didn't think Alan Crabber popped back up, but um, but no, I get what you mean. Wicked shout, Keith Van Horn, um, and big shout to Ollie for that question. Thank you very much. Um, and a bit of a humbler from uh, from Spike in our Discord. He says, "Will we be in the play-in places at the time of the All Star break?" Um, I did some. I did a little bit of looking ahead. There are ten games left between now and the All Star break. With tonight's game against the Suns, then straight into game with the Kings um, the night after, and then as we said, Jazz Nuggets, and then between then and the All Star break, we played the Celtics, Wizards, Heat, Kings again, and a, another back to back with the Knicks and the Wizards. Seven of those games are on the road, but with Kyrie not being able to play in New York, he can't play that road game against the Knicks. Um, it's, it's a game every other day and a couple of back-to-backs, so it could be a really pivotal time for this Nets team. Um, and with how close things are in the East, I'd be surprised, but it's not impossible. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, as, as soon as I saw this question, I was like, yeah, it sounds like something Spike would say, so it doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Yeah, he is ever the realist in the Discord. I've got a lot, a lot of love for Spike. Um, he has some great points, but he does like bringing us back down to earth and reminding <laughs> us that at the moment the Nets are playing absolutely terrible. So, yeah, I think he's it's a very good question. Um, I think it is probably realistic, but I don't think we will be. I think we won't be too far off it, as you say, Matt. I don't think Charlotte have enough to to get above us, even with, with our, our schedule that we've got at the moment. Um, but if you just need to look around the schedule for the rest of the teams above us as well, and it is quite hard for everyone in the East um, going into the All-Star break. So, yeah, I think it's we're probably going to be sitting around fourth, fifth or sixth um, uh, coming into the All-Star break. If we get as high as fourth, I think you'll, everyone will be pretty delighted, to be honest. But, yeah, I... I Obviously, we, we're not going to see Kevin Durant or Joe Harris before the break, and there's rumours that LaMarcus Aldridge won't be back before that either. He's certainly not going to be on this road trip. So, yeah, I, I don't know. As I said, there's going to be a lot of Kyrie and Harden moments in, in the next few well, and hopefully that'll be enough to get us a, a good few wins. But, yeah, a lot of pressure on, on James Harden and, and these home games, especially with LaMarcus Aldridge being out as well. So I'd expect our away form to severely outnumber our, our home form until we hit that break at the, the end of the month. So fingers crossed we're not as far down as the, the playing places because that'd be pretty miserable. I'm going to be optimistic, optimistic and saying no, we won't be in the playing spots, although um, and the same as you, it's going to be very, very close. Um, I'm really hoping that between now and the All-Star break, we can manage to find a form again. Surely the kind of poor run of form can't last, what, another three weeks? Surely not, because... If that that's the case, we're in some serious trouble. But um, let's be honest: if we're sitting in the playing places at the All Star break, who really cares? If, so long as we're in the playoffs, come the end of the season, that's all that really matters. Um, it's the table at the end of the season that counts, not the one during the season. Um, we're, we're still only two games behind East leaders Miami, despite sitting in sixth. It's quite a close conference, so. You're really talking a few results in our favour and one of these guys slipping up and we're right back in it again. Um, granted, that seems quite far-fetched given our current predicament, but let, let's not just completely put a dampener on things. Um, of course, we didn't expect to be in this position um, at the start of the season. Luck certainly hasn't been on this next team's side again, but yeah, there's, there's still plenty of time to play overall and I'm not really concerned where we're sitting at all-star break. Um, still plenty of time to go, as I say. Nice. Yeah, I think we, we all have a bit of a tendency to go, everything's rubbish and it's going to be rubbish forever. Um, so, yeah, I think a nice bit of, of uh, a measured response there from Cami. Um, our guys, uh, the only Nets fans you know pod coming in clutch in uh, in the YouTube comments with a, with a listening question. Um, where is Joe Harris? I'm starting to get nervous. I think we need a buyout player and or trade for reinforcements if we can. Um, so we, we did chat about this last week. Um, obviously, we're suffering from some flare-ups with his uh, rehab. Um, obviously, injured his ankle um, in, I want to say, November. He had surgery. Um, 
so which is annoying. He kind of they originally said like four to eight weeks, I want to say, um, which would have taken us into January, but obviously had some flare ups. And there's just you know the Nets being the Nets, there's just no timeline um, for anyone ever annoyingly um and if there is a timeline you can just ignore it because it'll be a couple of extra weeks on top of that um in terms of buyouts and trades i think i really want to wait until after the all-star break which i don't know if that you know puts us into you know too much out of time territory um we've been able to make a move um before the playoffs um but i honestly think we just need health man we just need health we just need everyone to get back um, obviously, Paul Millsap wants away. Um, he's made that very clear. There are some other people that, you know, haven't impressed this season, um, so could be potentially moved. Um, Nick Claxton's getting spoken about, about potentially um, being a decent trade chip, um, you know, with, with moves around the margins. We've got some trade exceptions we can use. Um, so if anyone's going to be able to move sort of, turn that into something that we get a return on it's Sean Marks in his front office. So I don't think we need to, I just think we need to get healthy. Um, but I'll be interested to see what you guys say. Yeah. I, I just think, sorry, Cammy. Yeah. I, I just think that we'll, uh, that we need to make a move personally. I think we can't rely on, on Joe Harris coming back and there may not be further issues. Obviously, the last thing we kind of heard is he went for a second opinion and to a doctor in Indiana. And I've seen two doctors on Twitter, one saying, oh, that's absolutely fine. That's quite common that someone will go for a second option. And another doctor say, that's never good. And that could be the sign of something quite sinister, which doesn't fill me with too much hope. But obviously, again, Chris Haynes said during the, the Lakers game that he, um, not Chris Haynes, um, I can't remember who it was now, said that there's a good chance. They were, there, there's hope that you'll be back this season, which I didn't like um, when we've always kind of banked that he's going to be back after the All-Star break. But, yeah, I think we can't rely on 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 waiting it out and, um, and hoping that Joe Harris is going to come back because I don't know if it's a guarantee. And I think there is probably a few options out there that we can we can potentially make a move for. We've heard talk of Robert Covington, we've heard talk of Gary Harris, we've heard talk of Terence Ross, and most recently, obviously, Dennis Schroeder is... Serge Ibaka, I heard him. today. Serge Ibaka is available. Yeah, Clippers are looking like they're just up for selling anyone. So I would be absolutely shocked if it gets to the 10th and the Nets haven't at least made a minor move because I think they'll, they'll at least want to show some form of um kind of what's the word i'm looking for urgency to impress james harden that's what i think yeah that's a good shot so a player that came to mind and didn't come to my mind when we were discussing a former nets play bring back but today there was the reports coming out about spencer dinwiddie not being wanted by his wizards teammates now i don't know if we can create a package and use trade exceptions to bring him back and yes he doesn't play the same position as joe harris but think how many times Spencer was able to bail us out being that kind of just other guy in the nets. He wasn't that star. He never was a star. Yet he'd, he'd somehow always deliver. He'd come up with big games. He'd be able to sink freeze, which would certainly solve the, the problem with Joe Harris um, being out. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how possible that is. Some of the names you mentioned are certainly very appealing. But, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie, kind of kicking myself. I never brought him up uh, when we were discussing bringing back former nets because... We could certainly do for a guard like that who can just kind of step up when the main guy's out. Yeah. Spencer to come back on his own trade exception would be hilarious. Um, and we always said he'd win sixth man of the year uh, for the Nets um, with the big three. So, you know, he can come back and, and, and rescue us again. I would be very much in favour of that. Um, but yeah, big up Peter from, um, I'm assuming it's Peter out the two of you from, uh, from Only Nets Fan You Know pod for coming through. Um, but that's everything. That's all we've got on the docket for today. We've been going over just over an hour. Um, and yeah, all, all aboard. You're probably listening. If you're not watching us live, you are probably listening to this post Suns game. Um, so we, we were discussing that, um, 
and much, much more next year, uh, next week. Sorry. Um, my thanks as ever to Aiden and Cammy, um, and for you guys for listening and watching along with us. If you like what we do, then the best way that you can help us out is to like, rate, review the podcast, subscribe to us on YouTube and share the, so share this episode on social media. Uh, any help we can get to grow our audience, uh, would be much, much appreciated. You can also support us by treating yourself to some merch, which you'll find a link to our store in our Twitter bio. And as I say, that's it. We'll see you next week for another episode. Take it easy.